professionals why their professional advice was actually misguided or even wrong. The idea that the expert was giving considered, experienced advice worth taking seriously was simply dismissed. I fear we are moving beyond a natural skepticism regarding expert claims to the death of the ideal of expertise itself. A Google-fueled, Wikipedia-based, blog-sodden collapse of any division between professionals and laypeople teachers and students, knowers and wanderers. In other words, between those with achievement in an area and those with none. By the death of expertise, I do not mean the death of actual expert abilities, the knowledge of specific things that sets some people apart from others in various areas. There will always be doctors and lawyers and engineers and other specialists. And most sane people go straight to them if they break a bone or get arrested or need to build a bridge. But that represents a kind of reliance on experts as technicians, the use of established knowledge as an off-the-shelf convenience as desired. Stitch this cut in my leg, but don't lecture me about my diet. More than two-thirds of Americans are overweight. Help me beat this tax problem, but don't remind me that I should have a will. Roughly half of Americans with children haven't written one. Keep my country safe, but don't confuse me with details about national security trade-offs. Most U.S. citizens have no clue what the government spends on the military or what its policies are on most security matters. The larger discussions, from what constitutes a nutritious diet to what actions will best further U.S. interests, require conversations between ordinary citizens and experts. But increasingly, citizens don't want to have those conversations. Rather, they want to weigh in and have their opinions treated with deep respect and their preferences honored not on the strength of their arguments or on the evidence they present, but based on their feelings, emotions, and whatever stray information they may have picked up here or there along the way. This is a very bad thing. A modern society cannot function without a social division of labor. No one is an expert on everything. We prosper because we specialize developing formal and informal mechanisms and practices that allow us to trust one another in those specializations and gain the collective benefit of our individual expertise. If that trust dissipates, eventually both democracy and expertise will be fatally corrupted. Because neither democratic leaders nor their expert advisors want to tangle with an ignorant electorate. At that point, expertise will no longer serve the public interest. It will serve the interest of whatever clique is paying its bills or taking the popular temperature at any given moment, and such an outcome is already perilously near. A little learning is a dangerous thing. Over a half-century ago, the historian Richard Hofstadter wrote that the complexity of modern life has steadily whittled away the functions the ordinary citizen can intelligently and comprehendingly perform for himself. In the original American populistic dream, the omnicompetence of the common man was fundamental and indispensable. It was believed that he could, without much skeptical preparation, pursue the professions and run the government. Today he knows that he cannot even make his breakfast without using devices, more or less mysterious to him, which expertise has put at his disposal. And when he sits down to breakfast and looks at his morning newspaper, he reads about a whole range of vital and intricate issues and acknowledges, if he is candid with himself, that he has not acquired competence to judge most of them. Hofstadter argued that this overwhelming complexity produced feelings of helplessness and anger among a citizenry that knew itself to be increasingly at the mercy of more sophisticated elites. 
What used to be a jocular and usually benign ridicule of intellect and formal training has turned into a malign resentment of the intellectual in his capacity as expert, he noted. Once the intellectual was gently ridiculed because he was not needed. Now he is fiercely resented because he is needed too much. In 2015, the law professor Ilya Soman observed that the problem had persisted and even metastasized over time. The size and complexity of government, he wrote, have made it more difficult for voters with limited knowledge to monitor and evaluate the government's many activities. The result is a polity in which the people often cannot exercise their sovereignty responsibly and effectively. Despite decades of advances in education, technology, and life opportunities, voters now are no better able to guide public policy than they were in Hofstadter's day. And in many respects, they are even less capable of doing so. The problem cannot be reduced to politics, class,